The Zerier Than Thou podcast contains adult concepts and language and is intended for a mature audience. So if you're getting ready to go trunk or treating at the local Baptist church with your parents, this ain't for you. Go on now, get. Welcome, creatures of the night. Gather round the campfire. It's time for Zerier Than Thou! Greetings, fellow Zeus, and welcome to another spooky episode of Zeus Than Thou. I'm Zeman, and I'm dressed up as a cum dumpster for Halloween. And I'm Steve, and this year I'm going as the Cookie Monster. Mm, and we'll be your hosts this episode. The moon is full, the veil is thin, and we're full of candy. And full of cum. Hey, we came fully loaded with plenty of innuendo to start this Halloween party off with a bang. And it's been quite a while since either of us have had any action on this show, so you can bet we're ready to burst. Okay, I think that's about enough of that. Who writes this shit anyway? Well, if you're sick of our writing, stay tuned, because this episode is full of listener-submitted content, as is traditional for our Halloween spunktaculars. So, let's not waste any more time and jump into that listener-submitted content with emails. First up, here's one from JF, who says they've never used Twitter, but that Toggle's feed is hilarious. JF writes, I am one of the few people blessed with almost never having used Twitter myself, heeding all the warnings about its toxicity and not really liking to put my personal info into the public forum. The only reason I go to any social media platform is if I want to hear extra from people I already heard from elsewhere. So yesterday, I popped open one big grumpy rat's feed. And when I saw some of the comments from aunties, I had no shortage of laughter. Yeah, bro. Walls of racial and homophobic slurs are really going to convert suits. It is like they all think what they are writing is original. For instance, I cannot tell you how many times I have heard the you really screwed the pooch one. And then everybody gives it a thousand likes, even though you could scroll for 10 minutes and find it three more times. And when I saw that letter saying dogs deserve a happy life and a good castrating, I almost fell out of my chair laughing or crying, do not know which. On a side note, an hour before I searched Toggle's feed, I discovered a new furry artist who seemed very friendly and understanding, having come out as trans a week before on Fur Affinity, who said that fewer form is the absolute best and who had an art style that quickly grew popular. However, an hour later, that same artist I just discovered was talking on Toggle's feed and was a vehement anti-zoo. Oh well. At least I did not have long to grow to admire them before I found out. On an even sidier side note, when I first opened Toggle's page, he had 669 followers, and when I left, he only had 668. Who done it? (laughs) You know, this happened to me pretty recently where there was a hip-hop producer that I really liked, and he has all Mm -hmm. these instrumental albums, and I wrote to this person from a Zooey email address and asked if we might be able to use some of his beats for some Mm -hmm. of our Zoophilic battle rap. And I really admire this person. I like I like his productions on a bunch of different albums. And uh, he wrote back and he said, I don't want anything to do with you guys and what you're about. I'm not about it. And uh, I felt really bad because 
you know, just the fact that he had a negative reaction towards zoos and previously I had regarded him positively, I can really relate to what this uh, listener is saying in their email. Right. They have to live with their decisions. The problem is they are actually advocating for the death of our loved ones. Oh, on which, Twitter for sure. Yeah, that's. I think they're just yeah. all trying to one up each other and and how violent and aggressive and antisocial they can be. And I just write them off as like kids trying to figure out who they are. But apparently, Toggle's Twitter at the time of this recording has about eight hundred seventy-seven followers. So it's more. Maybe he's going to go viral soon. Maybe everybody likes rat tummies. I don't yeah, know. everyone wants to catch that virus. <laughs> not the best look um. well anyway here's what i wrote into that the guy in reply to his reply i just sure i just said you know i thought about it for a few days and i felt bad for a little while talked to some other zoos including toggle and what i came up with was hey i respect your decision we're not going to use your stuff without your permission and i'll just leave out by saying that probably someone you know is a zoo and the choice to be kind and understanding to that person is yours. I hope you'll make a good choice. I think that's a great, a fantastic, a stellar response to JF's email, is that they have to make the choice to be kind to somebody. Yeah, man. It's somebody you know is a zoo, and, and hopefully they find the love for themselves and for their fellow person. Too true. Thanks for writing in, JF, and feel free to continue avoiding Twitter as much as you can. It definitely saves a headache. Here, here. Up next, Altoids offers some reflections. Altoids writes, Hello, I just wanted to say thank you for doing this podcast. I have been a zoo since as long as I can remember, and I thought I accepted myself fully, but I did not realize that connecting with others is such an important aspect of accepting yourself. Very recently, I have been trying to connect with the zoo community again, namely on zoo community and Twitter since I started to listen to your podcast. It will take quite a bit of work to be proactive about this, but I think it will be worth the effort. To elaborate, I've been watching and following the various zoo forums and media for over 15 years. In my early 20s, I was actively communicating with other zoos, but the privacy aspect of it all made me paranoid. I finally met with a zoo in person, but apparently I overshared my personal details with him. He reminded me without meaning any harm that I should definitely be careful with that in the future. My fear took over as I reprimanded myself for my foolishness, and I withdrew from all attempts to befriend other zoos. Oh man, don't do that. From then until now, I have kept my zoophilia in the background and attempted to live my life based on the narrative society pushes. I dreamed of living in a rural area, working remotely, and having animal companions. I even researched affordable areas for land and resources to live off-grid. But as more and more obstacles have come in my path, I've allowed life to steer me into a job that I'm now miserable in. I lost sight of my original dreams, and fear has kept me locked and afraid to dream again. I dread every day I go to work, and my weekends are enjoyable but aimless. After listening to your podcast, as well as working with my therapist, I've come to realize how important communication and community is. I realize that if I keep on the path I have aimlessly steered towards, my life will ultimately lack purpose. I will not have the intimacy that I require to be fulfilled. The thought of leaving my job is frightening, but that is because I'm only seeing things in the immediate future, not long term. Is it worth pursuing remote work? For the reasons you all gave in Healthy, Happy, and Suey 2020 episode regarding companion boredom, ennui when being left all alone at home, 
This is the main reason why I've not attempted to have an animal companion in my life before as an independent adult, and it is reassuring to know that my prudence in this regard reveals that I honestly value the mental well-being of future companions. Sometimes I consider that adopting non-humans would give them a better life than they have now in shelters, but would it be much better if they were stuck at home with little to do as I work full-time? Good question. Also, although I never met Fausti, his story from what I know about it, Uniquely Dangerous, is on my to-read list, is very inspiring. I'm in my 30s and am beginning to comprehend my mortality. Despite all the terrible things that happened to Fausti, he still had the courage to connect with others. If I were to die soon or face imminent death, I cannot honestly say that my life was very fulfilling. Oh no, don't do that. It would be a shame to have never experienced becoming intimate with another species, and the only picture my friends or family would have of me after my death being an incomplete one. Decades ago, as a teenager, my parents caught me looking at animal mating pictures and shamed me for it. It was very humiliating, but sometimes I wonder if they assumed it was just a kink that they could shame out of me without realizing it was actually part of my sexuality and who I am. The topic of my sexuality has never really come up with them since. Hearing Lovecat's father talk about supporting him is making me consider coming out to my parents. They have said before that they love me unconditionally, so hopefully they would come to understand or at least respect my zoophilia. They might even be supportive of me requiring remote work when understanding it in that context. It would be unfortunate if sharing this crucial part of myself was forever stunted by that one experience. Thanks again, Altoids. Oh wow, what do you think of that, Zeman? Okay, there's, there's a lot. Well, first, I'm sorry that your fear took over. I'm actually kind of experiencing that a little myself recently, but can't let that... I mean, you got to reevaluate your security measures. You've got to reevaluate what can happen, what you're going to allow to happen, and make plans for each scenario. There's there's a few questions. If you want to send out another email, if we can respond to your email privately, there's a few questions that we can discuss. You can't let fear rule your life because fear rules your life everybody else wins, specifically the antis. So as far as working remotely, one, first of all, if you can, if you want to, sure, why not? It sounds like you already hate your job. You're not happy. What have you got to lose? True. <laughs> More or less. You can only be just as unhappy, but there will always be another job to find. There's always remote work that's going to be there. So if you can, go for it, especially now with the current job market. There's no reason not to make a change now. I've been recently thinking about a career change. Haven't gone for it yet, but at the beginning of the year, if things haven't progressed the way I want to, I'm going to find somewhere else and I'm not going to worry about it because I know what I'm worth and a job will always be there if you look for it. There you go, man. Just to add to that, I'm in kind of a similar circumstance. Um, I just quit my job of eight years <laughs> and and opened my own business so that I could be independent in part just to get control of my schedule and have some of my life back, but also because I didn't want the threat of being fired from my sexuality hanging over my head. For sure. Yeah. I took it even a step further because, you know, a lot of people who start their business, they rent a space, they sign a lease somewhere. I didn't even trust a landlord to do that. So I actually bought my own property and building and everything so that I'm the alpha and omega of my whole livelihood. I own everything. 
And I, I was recently, again, talking with Toggle and some others about this this path that I'm on. And maybe Zeman can chime in on this as well, but I've come to think of them as fortress zoos. And I've, mm. I've seen about five zoos do this in my lifetime, and I'm kind of on the path to doing the same thing, where if you succeed in your endeavors to a certain point, there's this tendency among some zoos, and I'm calling them fortress zoos. If you're a fortress zoo and, and you object to my characterization, please write to us. <laughs> but what they do is they'll take their success and channel it into insulating themselves from potential harm from people who might not like zoos. So they'll buy a bunch of land, they'll buy a huge house, they'll build giant fences, they'll build a four-story custom home in the middle of nowhere. They'll uh, surround themselves with every animal they've ever wanted to be with, you know. And I'm in the middle of that process now. Yeah, yeah. A lot of zoos. <laughs> I pr- I personally prefer Bastion uh, because <laughs> it reminds me of Never Ending Story and Falcor. Right. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I've I've seen this happen several times where if um you know and ask yourself zoos out there if you suddenly became independently wealthy. What would you do with that money? Mm-hmm. And the answer is a lot of people would buy a bunch of land and build a fortress to keep the world out. And right. Zeman, you know, I welcome your perspective on this, but the way I see the logic, it goes something like you start off, people hurt you or reject you for being a zoo. So then you react to that by insulating yourself so that they can't do it again. And then maybe insulating yourself makes it to where people don't understand you and then they react negatively and you take that as justification for further insulation <laughs> i i can see yeah. that um, and it's the slow li- feedback living loop. with yeah living with faustian where you know in harmony we were all out and everybody knows us and our lifestyle sure it was the opposite of insulating ourselves we were if you don't like it move on right there, there's plenty of space around so yeah insulating i would say it's good for a short term, but it's never the long term answer. Yeah, and the fortress zoos I knew are no still. They they seem pretty content. They have a lavish lifestyle. It's wonderful. They spend a lot of time vacationing and traveling the world and getting to know exotic, amazing animals. And it's kind of a lot of mm-hmm. zoos dream. I get it. But at the same time, I'm finding myself now on this precipice of becoming a fortress zoo. And I just wonder if maybe there's not a, a healthier way to like be available to the general public to some extent, but still have control over my own livelihood. So that's kind of where I am now. And I don't know if that'll help Altoids. Well, but. As a business owner, you're in a unique position to uh, almost offer shelter, really. Sure. If your business plan or your your business had a way to employ others. Oh, yeah, potentially. I mean, it, it doesn't, but I get what you're saying with that. So <laughs> if you're a zoo out there who owns a business and you want to give other zoos a leg up or four, maybe that's a thing that you could consider. So now the next project is going to be the zoo job boards. There you go. <laughs> no. Uh, well, it could be. I mean, it's not it's something we're going to tackle, but at this time, anyway. Thanks for sharing your story, Altoids. I have a curiously strong feeling we'll be seeing you around. Up next, step into the Eigenground, where things aren't always what they seem. And later, we'll have our Sawan ritual of remembrance, so stay tuned. But first, enjoy these messages from our Zooey sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Spirit. 
A Halloween store even a wild Mustang can find a costume at. You know you can only wear your strap harnesses as that one anime character so often before people catch on. Come buy something new. We've even got our Christmas stocking early, so you can buy your Rudolph and Sexy Santa costumes right now. And go ahead, wear them on Halloween too. At least you can get a couple of uses out of them this year. Spirit. And by Cloudknot Website Protection by AWS. That's Awu Services. Lock in those customers with canines of uptime. Is our stallion-themed competitor too cumbersome to fit your client's needs? Cloudknot is a one-size-fits-all solution that'll have you on Cloud Canine. Wait, that's their web code service? What? Why are there so many different services? Redshaft, Dog Dream, Corgito, Gap Engine? <sighs> well, you can just leave it to your server techs. They're probably all dogs for some reason. And finally, by listener contributions. We wouldn't have anything this episode if you weren't giving us your sweet, delicious content to share. When you close your eyes, what do you see? Perhaps you see flung futures out of your nightmares, or even strange lands where nothing is quite what it seems. Or do you see the Eigenground? We all have our ideas of what a perfect future looks like and how to get there. Yet we're all inescapably confronted with how the work required makes our time look far, far too short. In a moment, we'll follow an anti-zoo by the name of Darren Edwards, who believed, like all of us, that he'd never lived to see his work completed. Darren has awoken, somewhat confused, in a hospital bed. We join him now, already speaking to his doctor. I really should be getting home, so I don't understand what this is all about. As I said before, we've done some scans of your brain, and there's some concern about your ability to adjust to life once you leave the hospital. Adjust? Well, you just said yourself that I'm healthy. Come to think of it, how did I get here anyway? Mr. Edwards, if you'd please bear with me, I hope to explain everything. As I said, your body is fine. Your brain, however, seems to have suffered some sort of damage, primarily to regions associated with long-term retention. Long-term retention? You mean... You appear to have lost some part of your memory. Maybe three months of events. Surprisingly lucky, all things considered. Three months? That's... What? Mr. Edwards, as I said, please bear with me. Can you tell me who the president is? Uh, Joseph Biden? Good. Now, please tell me what city you think you might be in. Uh, city? Uh, San Antonio? Good. Now, please tell me what the last thing you remember is. I was helping pass out candy. It was Halloween, and then... Nothing. I don't even remember Halloween ending. Right. So October 31st is the last day you remember, but it should be January 19th. You've lost 80 days of time, just shy of three months. Wait, what happened in January? 
If you'd please, Mr. Edwards, one thing at a time. First, please tell me about the documents you just published online. Uh, you mean my homework? I mean the ones that directed harassment at a fellow human being for their sexuality. What about it? He called himself a zoophile. An animal race. I see. Mr. Edwards, this is going to be very hard for you, so I need you to take a moment to calm down and be ready to listen. Sorry, what? What does the dachshund have to do with me being in the hospital? Did one of those dumb zoos attack me? Mr. Edwards, in January, you fell off a bridge, through the ice, and into a river. By the time they found your body, it was frozen solid. What? You were very nearly declared dead on arrival by first responders. But there was a chance that you could be revived if you could be warmed up properly. I, I don't understand. What had to happen was storing you in a cryonics vault for quite some time, followed by thawing you out very carefully at a cryonics facility. Cryonics? That's freezing people like Walt Disney, right? So then, how long have I been frozen? We're not entirely sure. We believe the span of time would be measured in thousands of years. Thousands of years. Yes. I'm sure you have many questions, but before any of those happen, you need to know just a little bit of history. Your time was defined by the founding of a religion, but this time is defined by the return of colony spaceships. Let me explain. The planet was essentially dying from global warming when all of the wealthy people decided to set out for the stars on massive ships. The poor were left on a dying planet that was overheating with just the plants and animals to keep them company. Most of the humans on the planet died, but those that remained learned to coexist with the natural world far, far better and helped mend the earth into a thriving planet. Eventually, the colony ships returned, apparently so that they could at least be buried with the rest of mankind on what they thought was a dead planet. Instead, they found us here in a utopia, welcoming them home with open arms. That was little more than 950 years ago, so it's year 950, or 950 CSR. That's short for Colony Ship Return. That unmistakable sound is Darren fainting and hitting the floor in a heap as the doctor casually watches him. Nurse... What happened? Is anyone... Oh, Jesus. Were you there the entire time? Relax. I had nothing important to do, and there needed to be someone to watch over you. You fainted. Probably shock. <laughs> it's probably better if you go ahead and get that out of your system. There's no hurry. They're all dead. Yes. <laughs> Do we at least get rid of all those god-awful animal rapists? I imagine there's no answer I could give you that would match what you expect that question to mean. What's that supposed to mean? I seem to recall you wrote things like, Imagine wanting a world where animals can talk just so you can have sex with them. And even a child can tell you can't make babies with animals. That's not how reproduction works. Uh, yes. I'm having a bad enough day, so if you're going to yell at me about the dachshund, can we please just get that over with? No, I have no need to harm you. 
but I'm afraid I have bad news for you on both fronts. Oh, please, no. We created tools to help us advance our intelligence while we were rebuilding the planet. One day, as a bit of a practical joke, somebody tried them on lab mice. It was less funny when Jonathan and Elizabeth told us what they thought of Skinner boxes and the subjugation of their people. No. With advances to their cognition, animals were able to convey a lot of very interesting thoughts and philosophies. It took quite some time to work out predation and dairy production and what have you, but as it turns out, there is always some people for whom such processes are a major turn-on, so we essentially established a universal right to die and improved how we treat each other, so mental health is no longer a cause of death. Remarkably, few deaths happen for any reason other than sexuality or natural causes nowadays, in fact. Are you telling me a bunch of cannibalism freaks and lactation sickos just run loose in society doing whatever they want? Not really, no. Primarily because cannibalism isn't a safe practice. Meat and other byproducts are generally used by species other than the donors. Most bodies are donated post-mortem to the general resource pool now. Very little ever goes to waste. But even beyond this, some people are genuinely happy being livestock, and we have inspectors that make sure they're well tended to and a basis for contracts and oversight. It all seems to work very well everywhere I've looked. In, in fact, just for an immediate example, I have a cow that lives on my land that is quite happy to provide for us while we're providing for her, and the calves play with my kids. You sick fucks! You wait till I get out of here! I'll till what, exactly, Mr. Edwards? Try to convince society that all the joy and peace it experiences is somehow fundamentally evil? <sighs> I hope it would go without saying... But of course, once they had the intelligence to talk to us and berate us for endless years of mistreatment, they were also given personhood, with all the rights and responsibilities that carries. I'd imagine you'd find watching a dog do taxes amusing. In fact, if you'd like to watch some clips of things we consider perfectly mundane to help and get a feel for things... You're sick. You're all sick. Oh, I almost forgot to mention. We also worked on gene therapy. It turns out that, with a little work and a little editing, you can actually crossbreed just about any species, as long as you're willing to have what I believe you'd call a test tube baby. It's a good thing we found that out, too, because not long after, humans started going infertile and animals actually became surrogates helping us to survive. The marriage ceremonies and relationships defined a lot of how our world is today if only because it was the first time that mankind believed the animals might actually be forgiving us for everything we did to the planet before. The entire world is sick. That's the only explanation. Mr. Edwards. <gasps> what? It is probably a good time to disclose that I was asked to take your case for two reasons. The first is simply that I was available and capable of seeing to your needs. The second, however, can be found in a diary in my family's heirlooms, written by a man that died because a certain brat in Texas decided to harass him, post his address, and encourage other people to harass him for being alive in a much different, much earlier time. What? What I'm saying, Mr. Edwards, is that one of the few surviving documents from before the collapse of society in your time 
is a record of how you caused the death of one of my ancestors. What? Relax, Mr. Edwards. There was no particular rush to revive you, so I took time thinking about what I wanted to do. Weeks, in fact, that you could have been thought out. I apologize for the delay, but I wanted to be sure of what I would do. You woke me up to a demented world where everything and everyone I knew is dead and people literally have been crossbreeding with animals. What more could you do? Kill me? No, Mr. Edwards. My job is not only to provide this initial shock and information, but also to see to your reintegration into society and emotional welfare. We would consider murder, whether as an assisted suicide of despair or out of anger, to be lacking compassion and worse than barbaric. All I actually intend to do is see that you recover and do well for yourself and this society. But you are, incidentally, right, Mr. Edwards. Knowing the state of the world is probably punishment enough. I'll kill you, you snug piece of shit! Thank you. Always trust you to be fast with a sedation. Help me get him back into his bed. To be honest, I'm surprised he didn't try to kill me sooner. He's going to take a long time to adjust, I think. There are likely outcomes that seem inevitable. The march of progress almost guaranteeing a need for both change and for all the creatures of the world to adapt and advance their intelligence to suit the needs of the times they find themselves in. For Darren Edwards, that time has come far too fast for him to handle in a direction he was trying to steer the world away from. Perhaps he'll adapt to this strange new world he's found himself in, but if not, he can always close his eyes and look towards the Eigenground. Welcome back, ghosts and goblins. And ghouls and ghosts. And super ghouls and ghosts. Oh yeah, that was a good one. I spent most of that game in my underwear, as I recall. Yeah, that was definitely a good one. What kinds of of, uh, games did you play when you were a kid? So I tricked my stepmother into thinking that the PlayStation was charging the controller so that when I was grounded, I could still play Final Fantasy VII with the TV off while she was going to do errands, turn the TV on, play a little bit, turn it off when she returned, and then, yeah, eventually she got wind of that. Dang. Tech master. (laughs) I thought I was slick for uh, knowing how to blow on the NES cartridges. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. But I did start with Atari 2600, if that doesn't age me badly. (laughs) So I remember, I think I might be playing tricks on my head, but I think I remember it, but I think I was three, maybe. Uh Oh, wow. So 
Yeah, Atari 2600 had its moments, but one of the worst games was one of the ones that I remember. It was Dragster, where you're just looking at the back of two dragsters, so their wheels are just <laughs> rectangles. <laughs> and then it would make fart. Oh, no. Yeah, it would make fart sounds, and uh, it was really easy to blow up your dragster. And I was just like, well, I blew up some rectangles. The end. <laughs> rectangles. Yeah, it sucked. Oh. At least you were probably good in geometry. Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get on to our next email from Sappho, who sends some love. Sappho writes, Hi, cuties. I wanted to write in and tell you all just how much you are cherished and how much of a huge impact your podcast has had on my zoo positivity since I formally joined the zoo community proper recently. I can't stop sharing the podcast with my friends and recommending it when I'm explaining what it means to be a zoophile to other furries like myself, especially the Defining Our Culture and Our Spaces edition of Zoot. That's a good one. I've always been a zoophile and I had close relationships with animals, but would continually repress those feelings throughout my teenage years because unfortunately, I would only find fetish material when trying to explore that part of myself. Not having the right information caused me to throw away any possibility that I could be a zoophile until recently when I came to terms with myself and ended up finding Zooville and then subsequently the Zoo podcast. Had these mediums been around when I was initially going through my phases of questioning, I would have started off on a much better foot. That's for sure. I can finally feel normal and happy about being a zoophile and adhering to Zeta values. Thank you for enriching the lives of others and helping people find who they truly are. You all deserve all the love and affection in the world, and I just wish I could squeeze and cuddle with you all. Haha. Hey, on a real tip, I really, really liked your coming out video. I thought that was super brave. I knew that something was going on when I saw it go viral on Reddit and like how many people were reacting. I mean, it, it's the typical anti-reaction and just kind of like people saying what they think that everyone else would expect them to say and condemning us. But, you know, I bet that there's a lot more people who saw that video and realized that they weren't alone. And for that, I really, really thank you, Sappho. For sure. The amount of outreach that your bravery has had and the positive impact that it will have in the future means a great deal. So thank you very much. And thank you for your, your love and affection. Yeah. That's well, and the other thing I, I would just add to that is just because there's somebody out there trying to exploit animals to make a buck, whether it's running a factory farm or whether it's running a non-zoo owned porn studio, they don't get to define our relationship with animals. And just because somebody's too lazy to talk to a real zoo about their relationship with animals doesn't mean that they get to impose their values on us. So I get that that's a tough obstacle to overcome. And that when the first thing that people see is exploitative animal porn, you know, it's it's hard to get on board with that, and and you shouldn't. But I think that what we're doing here shows that there's a better way, and I welcome you into our community. It's incredible to hear how much we've inspired you, Sappho, and we hope to keep seeing you around in the future. Up next, here's one from Peter, who sends general greetings our way. Peter writes, Greetings, fellow zoos. So I just wanted to present myself. So I'm a 20-something-year-old student, male, bisexual, furry, and zoo from Chile. I love seeing that there are actual places to share about zoo sexuality and to meet people. I'm actually on the Zooville forum, and I love how comfortable it feels to find like-minded people, learn about the many subjects, and to see an actual national community in everything. I don't have any physical experience yet, but I'd love to with horses, my special interest. 
When I have enough savings, my dream is to make a small farm for me and two horses, a mare and a stallion, live with them, take care of them, and if they're willing, be intimate with them as well. It's wonderful to see a podcast for all of this. Thanks for reading. Love you. Oh, he said I love you. <laughs> this is really cool. This is one of the knock-on effects from the sticker campaign oh, that I've yeah. been running. Is um just, I, I don't know, something inside me thought that there would just be a not that much interest and it would be a few southern states or something in the U.S. and that would be it. Mm-hmm. And I could not have been proven more wrong. There's countries including Hungary, all of Europe, France, Germany, the UK, Scotland, Ireland, parts of the Middle East I've sent stickers out there, Canada, all over South America, a lot of y'all out there in Brazil. Thank you, Obregal, for listening to us. And apparently we also have a listener um, in Chile. So thanks for listening. That's awesome. But yeah, not only are you not alone, there's a lot of y'all in a bunch of different countries that apparently we're reaching and it's it's very humbling about your sticker packs sure. <laughs> my car got broken into and my work bag which had all my stickers <laughs> in it uh got no. stolen so somebody has <laughs> some wonderful wonderful zooey stickers and i hope they put them up and i hope they enjoy oh my them goodness. but uh yeah yeah don't don't steal zoo stickers. It's the least zooey thing you could do. <laughs> right, right. It's the anti. That's so unkind. So unkind. Well, and they're and they're free. But, so I mean, why steal them? Right. Exactly. Get your own. But I thought some of Doug's mementos were in the bag, and actually, right as we started recording, I looked under my monitor. Oh, and they're thank here. goodness. So his lucky coin, his cast Zeta charm. Oh. I guess it's. Just, too heavy to be an actual charm, but Lovecat Aww. made it for him. So I was really excited to see that. So sorry, I had to hey, interject. I'll, that. I'll take this moment too to plug the stickers. If you're interested in the stickers, the newest campaign has Zoo Pride flags, and then we're ordering a new one with some naughty innuendos. He is cute. Oh my goodness, cute. so cute. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I actually didn't design this most recent one. A listener wrote in and submitted the design for us to use just on their own, which is pretty cool. It's uh, getting a little more decentralized and crowdsourced, and I really like that. But um, the info there is on my Twitter, which is StoriesZoo, S-T-O-R-I-E-S-Z-O-O. And if you would like to donate to help future sticker campaigns and or the shipping, you can cash app to Zoo Stories, Z-O-O-S-T-O-R-I-E-S. That's a dollar sign in front of it from Cash App. Thank you. Cash App is anonymous, correct? Yes. Yes, it is. Just so alleviating fears. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll just close that out to say it's interesting to hear from zoos around the world. Chile in particular is in a time of incredible political turmoil, which culminated in a massive uprising before the pandemic hit last year, and they're in the middle of writing a new constitution. Fortunately, this new constitutional convention includes seats for Chile's indigenous population who were left out of the writing of their original constitution decades ago. And it stipulates parity between male and female members, which is cool. So while there's plenty of uncertainty, there's also a lot of hope. It's interesting to frame a zoo's life against a different cultural backdrop than our own, and to note that the traditional zoo dream is still largely the same. Own some land with some animals to love, and to live on your own terms in some kind of a fortress. (laughs) (laughs) Or bastion, whichever you prefer to call it. Or that. (laughs) We have a long overdue interview, actually, from just before the start of the pandemic, which we'll be releasing as bonus content this month. Be sure to add bonus.zoo.wtf to your podcast player so you don't miss it. 
It was nice to hear from you, Peter. We hope to see you around on Zooville. Our next email is from Double H in Sweden, who just wanted to say thanks. Double H writes, Greetings, you either now. I'm a faithful listener and a big fan of y'all. So I just wanted to send in and say thank you as you guys have opened my eyes even more. I have been a zoo since my early teen years, and as many people, I thought I was completely alone about my feelings. After research on the internet, later on it turned out I was wrong, but I have never before heard anyone explain and talk about things in the way you guys do. I love how you talk about different situations in life and how the zoo point of everything fits together with that. I am a canine zoo, like both male and female canines, but can't have one of my own right now, sadly, because of job situations. Thinking of changing career to one where you either can work from home, hard in this country, or maybe a career like truck driver, so the possibility of having a canine companion is doable. Any advice on how to cope with feelings of missing a canine in your life for the moment, since I'm sort of used to growing up with one? Sorry for such a long email. My fingers just went nuts. Best regards, Double H. Not a cup size. I'm a dude. This is a perfectly reasonable length, we assure you. Yeah, we just had a long one. So, But even yeah. if uh, you had a cup size of H, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. All, all dudes can have all different size breasts. It's all good. But so I know a few truck driver zoos. They have a wonderful life. One in particular has multiples, kind of juggles them for lack of a better phrase, but makes it work. They're awesome. They're lovely. Yeah. And only you can say whether you're ready to accommodate an animal partner and care for them full time. There's a lot of different solutions to that problem. And we've seen them all by now. So really, whatever works for you and your partner, if there's a will, there's a way you can get out of your situation when you're ready and and hopefully find the partner of your dreams and live together happily ever after. Good Cinderella story. Yeah. Just don't break the glass slipper. That that sucks. Right. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) Thanks for writing in, Double H. We hope you're able to bring a canine companion into your life. Be great. Up next. Open yourself up to suggestion with a collaboration featuring a certain hypnotic furry. And stick around for the Samhain ritual later on in the episode. We'll be back with more Azure Than Now right after this. This is Zooier Than Thou, a podcast for zoophiles and our friends, with new episodes every month on the full moon. To subscribe, Point your favorite podcast client at rss.zoo.wtf. And for even more content, check out bonus.zoo.wtf. Thanks for listening. Christ, what am I even doing here? Maybe I should... Ah, you must be Bob. Robert, are you Valerie? Well, that would be the most logical conclusion since I'm the one waiting for you here, Robert. Sorry, I'm... Looking for someone over your shoulder. Are you sure we're safe here, out in the open? This is the safest place in the entire world, Robert. Come, sit. You don't have to sit if you don't want to. Though, you would be much more comfortable. It's nice to finally meet you, Robert. You don't mind if I have a drink, do you? Sure, go right ahead. (sighs) This place has a really wonderful, relaxing atmosphere, doesn't it? 
the salt of the sea on the cool ocean breeze, the city noise faded in the distance. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nice, I have to admit. So, what brings you to me today, Robert? I'm afraid. I can't sleep at night because I'm afraid he'll come out. I'm afraid he'll consume me completely if I lower my guard for even a second. I don't know what to do. I, I can't tell anyone. And I can't make him go away. Make who go away? The beast. I see. Can you tell me about the beast? No. Okay. Can you tell me about yourself, Robert? Well, what is there to know? Um, I'm a software engineer. I got a pretty decent job. I get to work from home. Sometimes computers make a little more sense than people. Don't they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Give me data and code any day. At least when something fucks up there, there's always a fix. But people are a bit more complicated. Are they... not? <laughs> That's an understatement. I like people just fine, don't get me wrong. But they don't always make sense. That... mob mentality that seems to take hold. Uh, their values are all out of whack. There's nothing logical about that stuff. Well, Bob. Can I call you Bob? Sure, that's fine. Bob, how do you feel about animals? I like animals just fine. <laughs> I mean, dogs are great. Uh, people will say, oh, my dog hates everyone, uh, but then they'll just come sit in my lap. They must sense something inside of you that makes them like you. <laughs> Maybe. Tell me a little bit about the beast. Uh, I don't, I don't know where he came from. I can't get rid of him. I can hear him roaring at all hours of the night. I can, I can feel him clawing. He wants out. Where do you keep the beast? He's locked away. But I know, I just know if I let my guard down for even a second, he'll break free and devour me. Does anyone else know about the beast? Who can I tell? If anyone found out, it would be the end of me. No, I can't tell anyone. I, no one can know. The sun's starting to set. Isn't it a gorgeous view? Yeah, it's really pretty. You are not looking at the sunset, Bob. Your eyes, they're swirling. You probably already know that I know your secret. I do. You might start to notice just how good it feels to share that secret with someone. It does feel good. How would it feel to let the beast out right now? Uh, what's happening? You can let him out, can you not? I can. Sooner or later, he's going to get out, Bob. Will you let him out now? Or will you keep him locked away a little longer? I don't know. That's a really pleasant little sound, isn't it? It gets a little easier to relax every time you hear it. How do you feel? Safe. This is the safest place in the world. Nothing can harm you here. Not even the beast. He is with you now, isn't he? He is. He wants to devour you. 
doesn't he? He does. I'm wondering if you could resist being devoured right now. I wonder if it would feel nice to give in to being devoured. It might be. Can you imagine his jaws opening? His sharp teeth grazing your skin. The pleasant burn of his hot saliva as it drips down your cheek. His soft, wet tongue caressing your body. I can feel it. Try to resist the beast, swallowing you whole. I can't. I don't want to. You belong to the beast, do you not? You are a part of him that is missing. You long to be whole again. Yes. This is how it should be. You will have nothing to fear, nothing to hide, nothing to doubt. Once you've been devoured, none of that will matter. As you slide down his throat, you feel soft and warm and whole. As you settle in his stomach, you know that this is where you belong. In the belly of the beast. The beast is out, Bob. You've allowed him to take over your body, and yet, you are not afraid. Why? I am the beast. I have been desperately clawing to break out. And now I'm free at last. What happens when you look at yourself through my eyes? What do you see? I am a bear. And I'm smiling. Is there anyone else with you? There is a dog. And she is beautiful. I love her so much. Even though we're so different, it just works. A bear who loves a dog. A dog who loves a bear. How does this image make you feel? Happy. Content. When I close my eyes, you will awake from this trance, and you will be the bear. There will be no denying who you are and you won't be able to keep it a secret any longer. Indeed, it's no longer a secret because you've already shared it with me. You are unabashedly you. You love without shame. You live without shackles. Are you ready to wake up, Bob? I... How do you feel? Powerful. I've never felt this way before. Take a look at yourself, Bob. Fur. Claws. I'm... You've been unleashed. There's no going back now. I... Thank you. Don't know why I waited so long. What I'm so afraid of. Embracing our true selves can be a frightening thing. Thank you for letting me be a part of your journey. How can I ever repay you? Oh, uh, <laughs> don't you worry about that. You've already paid with a part of your soul. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'll bill your insurance.
Uh-oh. And feel free to finish off that drink. Ta-ta. Huh. I wonder what my mom's gonna think about me being a bear. Oh, that dog over there is gorgeous. Excuse me, miss. Do you come here often? fellow zoos we're coming up on the end of our halloween spunktacular but we've got a couple more emails to share with you tonight remember if you don't hear your email on this episode don't despair some of your emails are being saved for upcoming episodes where they fit really well with the topic and frankly there's so many of them we just can't cram them all in i can cram them in but we're hoping to address a lot of our older emails tonight however Toggle made sure to write back in response to several older messages as well, so check your inbox. Uh, if you haven't checked your email in a while, take a look. If you still fear you've been overlooked, please write in and let us know. We'd hate for emails to fall through the cracks, especially mine. Yeah, without further ado, here's one from an emotional punk pup who is proud to be a zoo. Emo pup writes, Hello there. I just found your channel and was pleasantly surprised it existed. It seems zoo is becoming less and less taboo. Just wanted to say I have a thing for making zoo porn and being shared on various zoo porn related groups and pages. Like a huge dream and a goal being known as a zoo doggy dick lover in the community. It probably sounds bad. I'm not sure. But saying that I made so many friends who love seeing me playing and less and less people finding it disgusting, but rather the opposite. Like partially coming out as a zoo made me incredibly happy. Okay, so... There are some dangers to being publicly identifiable, but if you're going to go for it and make porn, it's not something that hasn't been done f- before. Zeman, what do you think about this? Uh, it's, it's a little tough. So you're, you're being shared in zoo porn related groups. Personally, mm-hmm. as long as there's obviously no discomfort or harm being produced on either party, and there's no identifiable just like you said information being shared such as face or tattoos or something that's not going to inadvertently make you or your animal less secure and therefore jeopardize their life because ultimately that's what you're doing when you're going public is you're not jeopardizing your life in a mortality kind of way it it is their uh, life in a mortality kind of way so uh, that's that's my only concern just try and be conscious of that when you're making both of you happy. Yeah, and adding on to that, I have just a couple of points. For one, coincidentally, just because I guess I've been around a little while, I know... You are old, I, so... I, I am super old. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I do know a zoo porn star, like a commercial. If you've watched zoo porn, you've probably seen this person. And he's very well known in our community, and he's added a lot of joy to our lives. But that brings me to my second point, is that the difference between commercially made bestiality porn 
that didn't involve us. And zoo porn made by and for us is the focus on what having a loving sexual relationship with an animal really looks like instead of just focusing on the carnal physicality of what intercourse looks like with an animal. So you have a choice here, emo pup. You can bang it out and be just like all the other bestiality producers. And if you got to express yourself in that way and you're not hurting your animal partner, then you could do worse. But I'm saying that maybe you could do better and show what a loving relationship looks like with an animal as well. And that you're really taking the time to make sure that his needs are taken care of before your own. His or her. His or her. Right, but he was talking about <laughs> he's talking about doggy cocks. But whatever your animal partner needs, we would love to see that. And then your narrative goes up against the bestiality porn producers out there that exploit animals, and at least you know our voices then heard collectively. That is a phenomenal distinction to make, and a phenomenal opportunity to put that out there. Yeah. So on that note, good luck with your porn star dreams, little emo pup. Be careful, be thoughtful, and remember to keep your animal partner's well-being front and center. And in focus. Yes. Finally tonight, here's one who writes about helping him accept himself and his partner's recent passing. Oh, oh man. Uh, I just lost my companion of 13 years, and this podcast has been instrumental in breaking down my feelings of grief and sense of emptiness. Your podcast has allowed me to admit to myself how I truly felt and how it always was between her and I. We never did anything sexual, but she the first woman I loved, and she was a non-human. I was really hard to explain to my current human girlfriend, and I don't think she fully understands, but that's okay. I'm just happy to have found a mostly non-sexual podcast with some funny, raunchy stuff thrown in. Yep. Yep. Hearing voices echo the same feelings of love and compassion for their companions, present and past. It all started to make sense over time. From how Fausti, Rip, just spoke of non-humans, you could just tell that every word was dripping with compassion and a will to make the world a safer, more tolerant, and educated place for both humans and non-humans alike. I think it was at that moment that a silent anti-zoo realized who they really were all along. Since his passing, Toggle and the crew have been carrying the torch and doing a damn good job of it. Thanks. Keep up with the great work, guys, and thanks for everything you have done for me personally as well as your massive contribution with the creation of a transparent, tactful, non-seedy approach to breaking this all down for the layman. Oh man, if I could characterize Fausti in one word, it was decent. I mean, you would know better than anyone, you're his partner, but the guy was just, no matter when you talk to him, whether it was alone or in a group, there was always this this sense of decency that- For sure. That, Nobody could really touch. It didn't matter what names you called him. He would say, okay, look, I get that you want to call people names, but I also get that I'm about peace and love, and maybe we could focus on that instead. He just, he never lost focus on being good and helpful. And I think that really set the tone for the whole podcast. I would I would say kind. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Would describe Unless you did something to jeopardize uh, his loved ones or, you know, oh, sure. anyone of... Yeah, and, you know... I, I'm so, sorry that you had to lose her. It's it's really tough. Well, and, you know, that's, of course, we've said it before and we'll keep saying it because it keeps mattering and it keeps happening. But unless your partner is an African tortoise that's going to live 
longer than you and everyone you know, you're going to outlive your partner several times over. And so th you're not alone in that, and it, it doesn't lessen the pain, but we, we hope that at least knowing that we share in your grief and that we understand it somewhat, hopefully that comes as a comfort to you. Yeah, it, it, it's ironic that shared grief is, you find relief in that. It's it's a weird thing. I was actually discussing that with someone recently who had, had lost his mate and that pain never goes away. But finding familiar grief in someone is oddly cathartic. And hopefully we can be that for you as we've all loved and lost. That's it's not easy. Yes. Thank you for taking the time to write in. We're sorry for your partner's passing, but we're glad we could be part of processing your grief. Up next, we will be performing a Sawan ritual in honor of lost loved ones, whether four-legged partners or two-legged Zui family, followed by a song of remembrance. Stay tuned. Tonight, we gather while the veil is thin to call to those we love on the other side, those who share our history, those who share our souls, those who share our hearts. We call to you who have passed beyond. Come and return to us. Hear our stories as we remember you. For in remembering, we let you live again. Who would like to go first? I wanted to give remembrance to an old wolf who passed away years ago. He was the first person I ever really fell in love with. He was big, tall, and handsome. He was always so happy and carefree, even if my family didn't treat him as well as they should have. I loved him so much, and he loved me. I really fucking miss him. I don't even have any photos of him anymore. And it hurts. We will remember. We will remember. I lost my companion last summer. I won't go into details. It was horrible for me and him. But I don't want to remember them for that. I want to celebrate their life. His name was Kipper, a gray cat that loved to explore the outdoors, sometimes for days. He was truly free. He was very quiet, but I always knew what he was saying. And I paid close attention to his body language and so on. So he never really needed to meow to get my attention. I grew up with him, adopted him from a family-owned shelter as a kid. I spent my whole childhood, teen years, and early adulthood with him. He slept in my arms at night and occasionally ate out of the same dish as me. He kept me sane. He was a soulmate to me. He wasn't a lover, a brother, a son. He was his own person. The only way I can explain it is he was my soulmate. To me, he wasn't just a cat. He was more a person than most people I've met in life. So thank you, Kipper for being a huge part of my life. And I will always love you, and I will always miss you. Not sure if there's an afterlife, but if there is, I hope to meet you again. We will remember. We will remember. Jade Shiloh, you taught me what love was. You taught me that love and fear didn't have to go hand in hand, that someone could love me wholly, and that I could let my guard down and just feel safe with who I was with. I can't mourn you without mourning the future we should have had together. The future where I went to college and took you with me. The future where we would all be out of that house. The future where you survived. It's hard to believe over a decade has passed. It's so bittersweet knowing that your deaths are what led me to understanding what, 
who I was. The years following your murder were the worst of my life. I'd never felt so alone. I jumped out of the frying pan and into the fire and went years without knowing if I'd live to see the next day or if the man who said he loved me would kill me. Somehow, I'm alive, and I know if it weren't for the years following your death, I wouldn't have bothered trying to heal from what I lived through for the past 30 years. The night I found out you were gone, I tried so hard to join you, but instead, somehow, here I am a decade later trying to navigate a world I didn't plan on being a part of. I live independently, I even talk to my mom and sister now, something I'd never thought would happen in my wildest fantasies. I don't think I would have made it this far if it weren't for my new pack. I wish you could have met them. They're so sweet and smart and beautiful, just like you were. Sometimes I like to imagine you're with me and my current pack at the dog park or hiking or walking about town with us, and I feel safe and at peace again. I'll never stop loving you, and I'll never stop missing you. We will remember. We will remember. Dear Dahlia, it was with sorrow in my heart that I received the news of your passing right when I was coming to visit you. I was planning even on playing some guitar with you, hoping you'd recover from cancer. You were always so strong and stubborn, darling. Even when you lost movement in your hind legs and the vet gave you only a month to live, you still managed to live for four more years. I guess it was a really heavy load on your shoulders, my friend. You had to rest. I will never forget how those boring school days started happily when you woke me up with licks, then received me with such a party when I returned home, immediately turning your belly up for me to rub it. I also won't forget about those tugging fights we always did using your blankets. Those blankets, by the way, are now donated for other dogs to play with as gladly as you did, but I took the liberty to save one of them for myself as a physical memory of your love. Dahlia, you were simply one of the best companions one could have. Dogs and animals such as yourself really make our human lives more meaningful and complete. I now sleep well, knowing you're resting on a good place. Thank you so much for existing. We will remember. We will remember. Don't really know how to start this, but here I go. Fausti, he was an amazing man. I met Fausti in a really crappy way. I had just been arrested for a crime I was innocent of, and I was struggling badly with accepting I was a zoo. When I met him, I knew nothing of him at all, and we barely talked. I struggled in jail, and he was one of the few people that stood up for me and made sure people weren't fucking with me. After about a weekend, there was an article in the paper about him, and it, in not-so-nice terms, labeled him as a zoophile. So after a week of arguing myself, I decided to try and broach the topic with him. And man, am I glad I did. It helped me to not hate myself, to understand that I wasn't just a piece of trash like everyone wanted me to believe I was. It helped me understand that even though it was not accepted by society, I wasn't a monster. It helped me come to terms with the fact that what I shared with my animal companions was special and worth cherishing. He told me the struggles he had faced with being in an open zoo, but how that wouldn't take away that part of him. He left after a few short months, and I was left alone again. But I held on to what he said. I regret not finding him afterwards and thanking him for what he did for me. I can never thank him to his face now, but I can thank him like this. Thank you, Fausti, for everything you did for me, for your help and your guidance, and thank you for everything you did for the community as well. 
I will never forget you. We will remember. We will remember. I wasn't originally going to say anything since someone else already wrote in a dedication to Fausti, but I've been meditating on it, and I want to talk to you. I'll try to keep it brief, even though there are a million things I want to talk about with you. <sighs> uh, you really dodged a bullet with COVID. I can't imagine how frustrating it would have been to finally be able to leave your house and travel, only to be forced to stay indoors all year. Still, you've missed a whole lot. So much has changed in the past two years. The zoo community isn't the same as you left it, and I think you'd really be happy with how things have progressed. I'm doing my best to do right by you with this podcast. I don't think it's the same show as it would be if you were still here with us now. In some ways, that's a good thing, but I really missed your insight. You spoke a language that I don't speak. You were a wealth of animal knowledge that I haven't been able to replace. Sometimes, I feel like an imposter. Like I don't know nearly enough to try and manage a project like this. Like, maybe I'm not really zooey enough, if you will. <sighs> I always told you I couldn't be a project manager, and you'd say, you're already managing the project and you're doing fine. You always believed I could do this, and by Jove, I'm still doing it! Still, I wish I could be half the mentor you were. I wish I could see the potential of other people as easily as you did. And I wish I knew how to channel that potential the way you could. There are some people who listen now that couldn't stand to hear your voice when we started. But, the fact of the matter is that this wouldn't have happened without you. I wouldn't be doing this. None of the people who joined us would be doing it. This project you started, that you nurtured and guided, that you entrusted to us after you died, accomplished things you couldn't do in your lifetime. You should be proud of the legacy you've left behind, because it has changed people's lives for the better. We even interviewed Hani Maletsky, Fausti. Can you believe it? <laughs> Part of me hears you go, well, duh. Why wouldn't I believe it? I knew we could do that from the start. Still, it's one thing to know there's potential, but it's another thing entirely to see it come to fruition. I wish you could have seen it. I only knew you for a little over a year, but you completely changed my life in that short amount of time. I'm proud that I got to work with you on something so unique and positive, I'm glad I got the privilege to know you before you left this world. I love you, bud. Thanks for everything. We will remember. We will remember. My first dog, Coltrane. When I was eight, my dad brought home a puppy one Halloween night without telling or asking anyone and immediately made him my responsibility. That puppy was Coltrane. You were only in my life for a short time. You took a piece of me with you that have been on a journey to rediscover ever since. At that time in my life, I was unable to understand your love, though it was clear just how much of it you had to give. Happy, jumpy, slobbery little puppy you were every time you'd see me. I couldn't wrap my head around the concept of touch, but you didn't care. You were going to love on me any way you could, and I'm glad that I can at least appreciate that now. You didn't like eating alone. My stubborn little self wouldn't admit it back then. But there was a sort of intimate feeling I had every morning when I would go outside and fill your dishes and exist there with you. A feeling that time somehow stopped, that we were the only two existing in the world at that moment. Nothing else anywhere could possibly be more important. Then I'd snap back, remember I'd school, and leave you for the day. One morning, the backyard gate broke open and you ran out. 
I chased you down the block. You ran and ran. It was the most freedom you had ever had. Your happy little face beaming at me when I finally caught you. You're having the time of your life. It must have felt amazing. I was not so amused and angry that I was going to be late for school. I picked you up, carried you home, and yelled at my parents to give you to someone else because I was done. They did exactly that and gave you away to someone else in the neighborhood. But not too long after, the new owners reported someone had snuck into the backyard and fed you something that resulted in you passing to the other side. You died as a puppy and never got to live the rest of your life. I sometimes feel responsible, like if I hadn't blown up and made my parents get rid of you, you might have made it longer. But this Samhain, I'm finally letting these thoughts out to rest. There's no way I could have known. So all I can do now is remember you. I love you, Coltrane. I'm sorry you didn't live long enough for me to learn how to show it. You'll always be with me, and may your spirit live on in all the four-legged companions that come into my life. We will remember. We will remember. His gentle presence. You were the cutest, most happiest little puppy. The jewel in a crown of an exceptional litter. But mistakes were made. We believed the lies when someone from a far-off place wanted a show dog. You were only in that place for a few months before we managed to rescue you again and bring you home, nursing you back to health. You then came to live with me when I moved back to the city for work, to be loved and adored forevermore. Over the next 14 years, you would show me time after time how peace and happiness could be found in two loving amber eyes. Your calm, laid-back outlook on life brought me comfort so easily just with your very presence. Your large, sable ears listened to every moan and complaint about a bad day at work, never interrupting, just quietly listening, letting me vent, and unwind. Our daily walks together were like adventures, no two ever being the same. Being a big guy, you thought every dog smaller than yourself was a puppy and showed incredible patience with them. Even when they got too full on, you just placed a large tan paw on them, gently holding them still till they settled and then let them up to bound off again. You had a powerful, muscular head capable of doing some real damage, but violence was never your style. Your unique way of protecting our den from those you didn't know was amusing at times. If you found someone inside with me, you would carefully take hold of their hand or clothes and escort them back to the front door to let them know it was time for them to leave. Because of what you went through as a puppy, you were taken from me before your time. But the time we had, I will never forget. It is often said, when someone has lived for a long time, that they had a good run. This does not make their passing any less painful or easier for those left behind. I miss you with all my heart, dear friend. You were always there when I needed you. The great irony is that I can't turn to you now. To snuggle in your thick coat or to stroke your large, powerful head as you bring me comfort like you have done so many times. For it is your loss that gives me this pain now. Journey well, and may your spirit fly higher than the stars, my gentle lover. We will remember. We will remember. And for those among us for whom the sting of loss is too fresh, or for whom it's too dangerous to talk about their loved ones, we offer a poem and hope it comforts you. God speaks to each of us as he makes us, then walks with us silently out of the night. These are words we dimly hear, 
You, sent out beyond your recall, go to the limits of your longing. Embody me. Flare up like flame and make big shadows I can move in. Let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. Reiner Maria Rilke. We will remember. We will remember. Let's take a moment to honor all the zoos who have left this world early by suicide. I wish you could have stayed long enough to see a glimpse of a positive future, the one that we see reflected in each other today. A future that we might not see come to fruition in our lifetimes, but which fuels us and brings us the hope and strength to carry on. It is a future where the pain, the sorrow, and the hopelessness you felt is a distant memory for our community. As we strive towards that future, your struggles are near to our hearts. We will remember. We will remember. Take a moment to remember and honor your loved ones on the other side of the veil. Remember all the wonderful memories you shared with them. Remember the brightness they brought into your life. Tell them the things you always wished you could let them know. Say their names out loud. This is your time. We will remember. We will remember. Our stories are told, and our loved ones are here with us. Through us, they live forever. And at this time, we can feel them closer than ever. Ancestors, lovers, friends, stay with us and guide us with your love and wisdom always. We will remember. We will remember. smell of the grass, the warmth and the sound of your heartbeat, of your heartbeat. We're alive, and there's nowhere that I'd rather be held safe in your arms. We could stay forever to bask in the sun. Changes through the changes 
shadows grow long, your scent and your song, it calms me, oh it calms me. So bitter it steals the tears from your eyes. My head feels so heavy, I struggle to stay as I lay in your arms. All I want is a Friend as a partner, our soul still entwined. In the years there is laughter, I know that you'll find. Still you wish you knew why I must leave you behind. You've been kind, you'll be fine. Thanks, friends, for listening to Zooey the Now. Our next episode is on November 19th on the full moon, as always. It's bound to make you howl, so don't miss it. You can subscribe to the podcast via our Zooey RSS feed. Just point your favorite podcast client at rss.zoo.wtf and off you go. Can't wait for the next episode. Sad this one's over now. Check out our extensive bonus content at bonus.zoo.wtf. If you want to show your support financially, head on over to donate.zoo.wtf. We can be found all over the web where podcasts are distributed. Try searching for Zooier Than Now in your favorite podcast directory. Our podcast website is still zoo.wtf. That's WTF, as in werewolves take fucking very seriously. Our Twitter is at Zooier Than Now. Follow Steve <laughs> at Story Zoo and follow me at Zeman Depot. That's Z E M E N D E P O. 
A reminder that we have a form that enables anonymous submissions to the podcast on our website, zoo.wtf. You can send us your new Halloween transformation slash fiction, mm. ask Zooey about the best anal solves after a night of werewolf gangbanging, mm. or say something stupid about how humans can't smell pheromones or some shit. You can also simply email us at mail at zoo.wtf. Or send us porn, a lot of it, to tail at zoo.wtf. Share this episode with a friend while the veil is still thin. All non-humans who contributed to this podcast have transformed back into their fewer forms until the next full moon. The Tikbalong is a creature of Philippine folklore who appears in a humanoid form with the head and hooves of a horse. If 14 werewolves is a gangbang, what do we call 14 Tikbalongs? Okay, we have to answer this. Hold on. 14 Tikbalongs. Um, <laughs> well, a Balangarang. Oh, I love it. There we go. <laughs> a Balangarang. Yes. Okay. I'm Zeman and I'm full of Zooey Spunk. Be kind to one another. It's the sexiest, Zooeyest thing you can do. And I'm Steve. And all the extra E's are a gift. You've almost finished listening to Zooier Than Thou. Stay defiant, fellow zoos. We'll see you next time you feel like howling at the moon. Q fart song. Three, two, one. <laughs> And greetings, glorious. <laughs> Here we are on Twitter criticizing, you know, the kids for being immature. <laughs> Awkward. The kids are going to listen to that and be like, Jesus, these fucking guys are immature. <laughs> uh, God.